Tonight, we're going to talk about sleeping. Now, some of you, like me, may have not gotten enough sleep this week. So, I want to urge you to not get too dreary-eyed as we talk about sleep. There, there is a temptation, I know. <laughs> and I've been told that sometimes my voice is soothing, so man, that'll double it. But I just, just bear with me. And if I see you sleeping, my son has taught me that I can jump up and down and wake you up. So That'll work. Rusty, I'll be coming your way. <laughs> but more seriously, I'm going to start with a story. One of the most spiritual times in my life. I was at the bedside of my grandmother. She had been hospitalized for a period of time and it was becoming clear through the breathing that she had. It was a characteristic breathing that she didn't have days. She had hours or minutes. And I felt like there at her bedside, it was just me for a time period. I had called my folks. My, this was my mother's mother. And I told them, you need to come. The breathing has is, is started. You need to come. And as I sat there holding her hand and I had a cloth on her forehead, I felt like I was at the end of a race well run. I was at the finish line. And I was cheering my grandma on. My grandma was always the smart one. She was one of three sisters. The oldest was the pretty one. She was the middle, and she was the smart one. And the youngest was the cute, sometimes bratty little sister. She was always the sensible and smart one. She was always near the top of her class. And my grandpa chose right when he picked her. My grandpa somewhat like me, was more of a, a people person, outgoing person, and it was really relying on her strength that he was able to accomplish what he was able to do in life. He became a, a physician. She helped him go through medical training. Uh, he became a missionary. She's the one that kept him organized and kept the books going. Uh, really, she was the, as the, the song that you may have heard, she was the wind beneath his wings. My mom there in the back, they had three children, and they spent time in Africa and Mexico. Throughout the world, they traveled serving the Lord. When she was in her 50s, she received a diagnosis that for many people would have brought on a lot of depression and sadness. It was Parkinson's, they said. And to you, any of you who have seen your loved ones struggle with Parkinson's, you understand the weights and the debilitating nature. But she had read that if she could stimulate her mind, she would have a better chance of having quality of life. So instead of being depressed and discouraged, she pressed forward and worked toward getting a master's in public health. Through that master's in public health, she was able to develop a support group 
for those who are either suffering from the effects of HIV and AIDS or were surviving family members. And through her, her years, even as her body became more frail, more rigid, she was serving, serving, serving. Toward the last years of her life, she actually moved up near our family. And, and here's Eliana. She asked me not to identify her, so nobody, uh, nobody tease her. But I told her, you'll be in the other room, Eliana. You'll be all right. <laughs> Eliana has a baby. The only great-grandchild she would ever have an opportunity to hold. That's a smile. That's about what she could do for a smile at that part of her life. She struggled for many years, both from the effects of the Parkinson's and, and also being very sensitive to the medicine that she was taking for it. If it wasn't just right, she would have a lot of hallucinations, a lot of her reality was really twisted, and uh, it, was, it was sad. Um, but it was a privilege to come. My mom served as a caregiver, and my grandpa served as a caregiver, and to, to have opportunities to be a respite caregiver as well. It was a privilege because of the life that she had lived. Um, she continued to have dignity, even, even in those trying moments. And there we were in the hospital room. The breathing was characteristic of those last breaths. And I was cheering her on. Grandma, you've run well. Grandma, it's time for you to rest. But what was going to happen next? That's the question. Where would Grandma go and what would she be after those breaths were done? This is a question that people ask. You know, there's a reward that's talked about in Revelation, a reward for those who follow the Lamb. Revelation 14, 12, we've talked about um, this chapter and this verse. It says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. These are a special group of people who have followed the Lamb all the way, loving Jesus, and because they love him, they're following and keeping his commandments. Do you want to be part of that group? I want to be part of that group. And the next verse is an interesting one. It says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. There's a blessing given to those who have followed the Lamb all the way, but yet are not alive when he comes back. Who are... who? Their lives do not remain to those very, very last moments of her history. There's a special blessing. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, for they rest from their labors and their works follow them. Yesterday I was over at Collegedale Academy, and there they have every year a program they call the CAD for Hope 
food drive. It brings into the Samaritan Center where I work thousands upon thousands of pounds of food every year. And 35 years ago, it was initiated by a Bible teacher there at the academy named Richard Catavero. He began this as a small he realized that there were people in the school that needed help, so he, he got his Bible class together and said, hey, let's get some food. Let's help these people in need. And it's grown and grown and grown. Well, several years ago, he suffered, um, I believe it was cancer, and passed away. But because of the work that he's done, that food drive continues to go on and on. His works follow him. And in like manner, my grandma, there are people that continue to find aid and help with struggling with the effects of HIV and AIDS down in Bakersfield, California, where she was. People continue to come together and have that support because of what she originated years ago in the 1980s, at a time where it was taboo sometimes to even talk about AIDS. Those people continue and those works continue. But back to our question, what really happens at death? You know, the atheists say, if you die, that's all you got. And the New Age folks will say, it's just a new beginning. Your soul is set free, and you can come back as something else. Maybe you'll be a butterfly. Maybe you'll be an elephant. Maybe you'll be a porcupine. And then you go to a, a funeral, a Protestant funeral even, and, and you'll hear that a message about this person who has died, that they are awaiting the resurrection. Yeah, you hear that, right? They're awaiting that great day when they will be reunited at Christ's second coming. But later they'll say their soul is in heaven. Okay, which one is it? Are they waiting for the resurrection or are they in heaven? Where are they? Are the dead asleep waiting for the resurrection? Or are they in heaven already? Let's begin our study by looking what the Bible says about the term immortal. All right? Let's go to the book of Job. So turn with me in your Bible to Job chapter 4. And I'm going to join you there. Job chapter 4 and verse 17. Job chapter 4. Job is right before Psalms there. Job chapter 4, verse 17. And I'm going to give you a slide too for those who didn't bring their Bible. But let's read together. And we can read from the screen. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? Now, what's the answer to this question? No. no. And let's look. Can a mortal? Who, is, who are they talking about? Uh, humans. humans. We are what? Mortal. mortal which means we yeah. will die. Now, let's compare this to a scripture that Paul wrote to Timothy. 1 Timothy 1.17. Now to the king, 
eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. He is what? What does it say in yellow? Immortal. Immortal. That means he never dies. Now, let's see again in 1 Timothy, another verse that Paul's talking about. Jesus, he who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light. What does it say? Read those yellow words with me. Who alone has immortality. It is only Jesus. He is the only one who is immortal. Now, what does the Bible say about those who die? This is a picture. Do you recognize this picture? Recently this took place. That's Cindy McCain. And there she she mourns at the casket of her late husband, John. What does the Bible say happened to Mr. McCain? The soul who sins shall die. Now, I'm not in going to tell you about Mr. McCain. That's not a statement about politics or anything, but we all sin, right? Anyone here not sinned? Raise your hand. Come on. There's somebody here. I see a hand over there. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) It's a way to keep people awake. Yeah, I tell you. The soul who sins shall die. But can the soul die? Yes. You know, the, the the first lie ever told in the Bible was about what happens when we die. It was told by the serpent in the garden. Genesis 3, 6 says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Now, there was a a little bit of truth to that, wasn't there? Because she didn't die right away, did she? The devil is subtle. He mixes truth with error. But did she eventually die? Is Eve alive today? No. She died. Like the Bible says, the soul who sins, it shall die. What does it say? Die. Let's go back to Genesis, to the creation week, to find out more about what happens when a person dies. Maybe if we can understand what happened at the very beginning when man was created, we might be able to find a clue of what happens when we die. Genesis 2, verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Let's break this verse down. The Lord came, and what was the first ingredient that he used? The dust of the ground. So that was the first ingredient, and you can kind of see it in this picture here. And then he combined 
the dust of the ground with what? The breath of life. So he breathed into this dust, this, this shell of a body, and breath came into it. The breath of life. The only one who can give life is the one who gives the breath of life. And then what happened? Man became a living soul. To recap, dust plus spirit equals what? That's right. Elements of earth plus breath equals a living being. A living soul means literally a living person. It takes two ingredients, the body and the breath, to equal a soul. If other people tell you otherwise, you can always go back to Genesis. That is Bible truth. Death is basically the reverse of what we just saw. Death is the reverse of creation. This is what Ecclesiastes 12.7 12, says. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Remember there in the garden? What are the ingredients? Dust and breath. So when you die, the breath leaves you, and all that remains is the dust. All that remains is an empty shell. James 2.26 says it this way, the body without the spirit or breath is dead. And here, here's another one. Job 27 verse 3, as long as my breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostrils. Without that, there's no life. No life without the breath in us. Maybe we can illustrate it this way. We have a light bulb, okay? And the light bulb here represents a body, okay? But if I'm going to illuminate this light bulb, I'm going to need what? Some power, some electricity. The light bulb alone can't give me light. So, the power represents God's spirit or God's breath. The power comes through the cord into the light bulb and then we have light. What happens though when you unplug the light? It goes out. So, when we stop breathing and our heart stops beating, we die. Since the power to create life is with God, his spirit which gave life returns to him. The breath goes back. The body, the bulb, goes to the dust. There is no illumination in the person once that breath has left. Now the question is, is there any consciousness in death? Is my grandma... a able to see what's happening right now in this room? Or is she able, in that little box in my parents' house, is she able to listen to their conversations 
You know, that's where her, her ashes remain in this, in this beautiful wood box there in their home. Is she, has she, does she realize that they've moved recently from Oregon to California? Does she have thoughts about how they might decorate their house? Well, let's see what the Bible says. Psalm 146, verse 4. His spirit departs. He returns to his earth. In that very day, his plans perish. When we die, all the plans that we have are done. There's not any continuance. You know, you're driving down the road and you get hit by a runaway vehicle. Your plans of going to the grocery store, your plans of getting your next meal, your plans of getting a good night's sleep, they're done. There's no more planning. It's done. Ecclesiastes 9.5 reiterates this point. It says, For the living know that they will, but the dead know what? What? Nothing. Nothing. And they have no more, and that's a typo, no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also, their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. So if the soul went to heaven when you died, at least there would be love, right? Because when I get to heaven, there's someone I loved that's going to be there, right? Who? Jesus. Jesus is there. But it says that their love perishes. The Bible says that. We have no conscious existence. We are simply sleeping. The Bible teaches that death is like a sleep that lasts until Christ's second coming. Bible writers declare death as a sleep more than 50 times. If you were to search in your Bible app, you'll see that more than 50 times death is referred to as a sleep. Let's look at an example of that. This is in Paul's writings once again, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Behold, I tell you a mystery. I mixed the two verses, so let's go this way. I said, where is 51? Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And now let's go back in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall all be changed. So how does that happen? When Christ comes at that great trump. Those who are asleep and those who haven't passed away, all will be changed if they followed him. But what happens to the dead? Those who are sleeping in the grave, they will rise first. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Let's look at that. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Well, this verse makes no sense if we are already in heaven with Christ. 
Why do we need to rise to meet him? If souls can live in heaven without a body for thousands of years, why come and get the body at the second coming of Christ? It doesn't seem to make sense. All the Bible flows and Bible moves. All the Bible points to one climactic finish. Why have Christians down through the ages longed for the second coming of Christ? Why have they longed for that if they're already in heaven? Why? Because Christians have realized through the centuries that at the coming of Christ, the dead would be raised from their sleep. They would be resurrected and they would meet their loved ones once again. Are there people in your life that you're longing to meet again? People that have fallen asleep in Jesus? This verse points to that great reunion, that great time when we will see them again as the dead in Christ rise first. Then what happens next? Then we who are alive and remain, those who have not fallen asleep, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So where do we meet? In the clouds. clouds. Why not in heaven? Because they've not been there yet. We're all going there together. Nobody gets an early start. And as I think about that, I... I have a reassurance because since my grandma has died and my grandparents have died, I've made some pretty bad mistakes. And I would rather them not know those mistakes. Right? And if they are up there watching, shaking their heads, I I don't want to have to deal with that, right? But no. I've confessed those They've been cleared, as we've looked in previous sessions. And now we're all together on the same page, on the same timeline. We're rising together to meet the Lord in the air. And then a great promise. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. What a great day. Loved ones separated by death will be reunited. Husbands and wives embrace Babies laid down to sleep in their early infancy, given back to their mothers and their fathers. And all together we rise to meet the one we love the most, Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 22, prophecy gives gives a decree It says, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. That is the proclamation at the end. When Christ comes, it's all over. Those who have followed Christ and have accepted him, they they receive their reward. John 5.28 says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. And they will come forth, those who have done good, to the resurrection of life. 
and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Two resurrections and two rewards. We're going to be talking in the following um, presentations more about the resurrection of condemnation, but I want to focus in on the first resurrection at this point. It's a resurrection of life. Jesus comes. Men and women who have been sleeping in the graves awake and awake this time to never sleep again. No more goodbyes. They awake this time to see the face of Christ. Let's look at those events once again that we've gone through there in Scripture. First, the believers are resurrected. Second, the believers receive immortality. Then, the wicked living are consumed by the brightness of Christ's coming. Okay? So they're put out in a temporarily, they're put out of their existence. And then, what happens to those who fell asleep but didn't love Jesus? They just stay there. They just stay there. And the believers ascend together, both those who remained and those who fell asleep. They rise together to meet the Lord in the air. Revelation 21.3 says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And then a great promise. Has death, has death brought tears to your eyes? Has separation brought burdens to your soul? Do you cry even now, thinking about things that have happened in the past sometimes. Look at this awesome verse. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. No more Parkinson's, no more cancer, no more kidney disease, no more depression. No more anxiety, no more fear and worry, no more pain. Praise the Lord. What a promise. Oh, I want to be among those who receive this reward, don't you? Oh, I want to be there with Jesus. There in that kingdom may do. There along that beautiful river there next to him. We can dance for joy. You know, my grandma, especially as she was dealing with the later stages of Parkinson's, she said, Eddie, I will dance in heaven with you. Now, my grandma's a, a, a fairly conservative lady, so people would look at her and say, Effie, what are you talking about? She said, hey, David danced, and I will dance. When I get to heaven, I will dance with you. And that was her encouragement to me. Eddie, there'll be a time where I won't be in this wheelchair anymore. There'll be a time where I won't be all shriveled up. There will be a time where we will dance in heaven. 
Do you want to dance in heaven? Oh, it will be a dance, and there will be nothing impure about that dance. It'll be the dance of innocence and joy, a dance celebrating the King of Kings. I'm looking forward to a time where I will see my grandma. She'll look maybe a little bit like this, maybe even better. A time where I will have my hair back. A time where my kids will get to know their great-grandma, someone they never got to know. I'm looking forward to that day. You know, you might wonder, why is this an important topic? It's because we, to every truth and every beautiful, joyful thing, there's a counterfeit. And if you study in the Bible, we could, we'll go into this later, there are counterfeits to this truth that would distort my grandma. They would say, oh, your grandma, we'll use her, we'll impersonate her, we'll come and tell you mistruths. But understanding this, I can know that my grandma is not struggling, my grandma is not in pain, my grandma is simply resting. Resting for that great reunion morning. Resting. Oh, I can't wait for the day that we can say this together. And let's say it together. Read it with me. And don't read it quietly. Let's read it with strength. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Amen. That's what we will say on that day. Where is thy sting, death? You don't hurt me anymore. Where is your grave? You don't give me, you don't have any victory. Victory is his. Death has been defeated. I long for that day. If you long for that day too, let us stand together and let us pray that the Lord will help us to be ready for that great morning when we wake to life anew. Kindest Father in heaven, we long so much to be ready for your soon coming. Long because there's a lot of pain in this life. There are pains in our body. There are pains in our hearts. There are people that we miss. And most importantly, we long to be with Jesus. We long to be at his side. We long to hear, well done. We long to receive the reward of simply sitting by his feet, simply looking up into his eyes, simply touching the nail scars in his hands and resting in his love. Oh, Lord, help us. As we've looked at this topic, help us to see the beautiful truth that our loved ones, that our family members, that even us maybe one day rest before you come. There's no more tension. There's no more time where we look down and, and, and see the perplexities of our loved ones. When we see the perplexity of Jesus as he longs for his children to follow him. It's just a sweet rest, a glorious bliss, and then a warm welcome 
wake to life anew. We praise you for this, Lord. We honor you for this, Lord. And we love you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.